The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Welcome everyone, my name is Dave. I am a worship associate here at the First Unitarian, Universis, First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, and I am glad to be with you this morning worshiping. I am also delighted that we have a harpist in the building today, uh, and Christine Tullis, thank you so much. That was beautiful. Um, wherever you are, at home, uh, joining us via live stream, or right here in the sanctuary, it is good to be with you today. Reverend, Vanessa, uh, Reverend Southern and I will remove our mask today when we speak, but know that we do so, having tested negative for COVID this morning. Uh, thank you for wearing your masks and keeping one another safe. A member of the board of the Interfaith Council of San Francisco is Andrew Galvin, who is of the Ohlone Nation. Uh, in, in consultation with Andy, we offered this land, uh, we offered this land recognition this last Tuesday when all the faith communities came together for a service of reimagining Thanksgiving. Let us do the same this morning. 
We acknowledge that we are on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all people who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we offer our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. And now we will light the chalice. So if you're at home, I encourage you to find your own chalice or candle, and let's say together the words printed in our order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Welcome, let's sing now. Let's sing, rise as you're able, body, spirit, Number 21, for the beauty of the earth, it's in your gray hymnal if you like to hold the hymnal in your hands. of love. 
Thank you, Ben Rudiakul. Thank you, Mark Sumner and Christine. That's so lovely to have you back. Just angelic, as always. The harp is, it's right that the angels should carry it, because, and we always feel like we have one among us when you're here, so thank you. And happy Thanksgiving weekend to everybody. Coffee hour will be after service if you, uh, <laughs> if you need anything more in your bellies this week, which I'm sure is a dubious proposition. Welcome if you're here for the first time, if you're watching on live stream for the first time. For those of you who are here in the building, just a little note that you may have noticed if you came in through the garage that there was some water. Apparently someone vandalized one of our irrigation hoses over the weekend. Um, and Amy Kelly and Merrick Munn were lucky enough to come and check on the flowers and saw it running. So um, Scott Miller turned the water off, but uh, McCondry is flooded and Mark's office was flooded and we're busy pumping it out. And uh, yeah, so I don't know what lemonade we'll make of that, but we'll report back later. And we're just glad that Merrick and Amy came by on Saturday rather than Sunday morning. So if you are visiting for the first time and you want to get our weekly flame, which is our newsletter of events, please just fill out the connection form. We will also then push your way a link to the service and the order of service. So if you're home one Sunday, you can find it quickly in a Friday email that comes from us. Meanwhile, this order of service, as you may have noticed, is listing upcoming events and links to opportunities, and there are more in the flames, so just keep consulting it, and please sign up for anything and everything that interests you. Um, and if you can't find something that you're looking for, but you imagine it might exist somewhere in the life of this community, please, please reach out to me or Laura Shenham, our other minister, um, or anyone on staff, really, to help you navigate your way to what you're looking for here. I wanted to invite forward Cheryl Diener, and I think she has some helpers for an announcement. Oh, there we go. Good morning. It's the weekend before the holiday fair after church next Sunday. Isn't that great? And if you take, if you want to bring something to our jumble sale, you can bring things until Saturday night at 7 p.m. when we will be decorating, getting ready for you. Everything else, volunteering, having a booth, all that closes today. So if you wanna do anything like that, come by the table after service. Meanwhile, Refer to your order of service, the next to the last page, because you will be involved in this very soon. I'm going to sing the holiday fair with my beautiful friends and holiday fair song, and then we will all have you join in. We do have a handheld, if you want it. Oh. Yeah, just for our friends at home, we want to torture them too. I mean, help them. Learn.
to the holiday fair. Come, 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 your friends will all be there. Have some food and make some wine. Have a very good time. So come, 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 come to the holiday Thank you. I will be there. Just want to let everyone know, a little advance notice, that the offering this morning is going to support the works and ministries of the Native American Rights Fund. This is an organization that helps um, Native communities and governments and tribes with litigation um, to secure their rights and, um, and protect their resources. I believe one of the taglines on the website is, um, our goal is to have the US government honor all of the legal treaties that it signed, which seems very fair and reasonable, doesn't it? That we would want to do that. And so our offering will go to support an organization that supports um, Native communities in the US to try and secure just that. So. So now let's take a moment and let's greet one another. And when you hear Wonder Dave desperately trying to get your attention, then you can join in the covenant and doxology. Let's say hi to one another.
Hello, everyone. This is me. I feel bad because you're all going to sit down, and then I'm going to ask you to stand up pretty much immediately anyway. It's a fun moment. Yeah, I guess. You can stay up or you can sit. Listen, it's going to be. All right, I hope you met some new people. I hope you saw some familiar faces, and I hope that was a delightful greeting. Uh, now, at this juncture, please rise uh, in body and spirit as you are able or inclined to do so uh, for our covenant, for our spoken covenant, and our sung doxology. Uh, the words to the covenant are printed in your order of service. If you are following us on the live stream, uh, there is a link to the order of service below the video. So uh, please join me in saying the words of our covenant now. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. to invite us into a centering moment, guided into a time of reflection, what some of us call prayer, some just call deep being, deep presence, led by Alicia Ford, Unitarian Universalist. In this moment, when we pause to remember who we are, companions on this grand experiment called life, when we take a moment to shed the ways we have been carefully taught, leading from fear, punishing the poor, Persecute those who don't look like we do, denying the rights of those we love. To believe that we are separate, that some of us are superior to others. When we take a moment to shed all of that and to hear and see each other into existence, into community. 
When we take a moment to embrace a different way of being, when we answer the call of love, because then we're living the promise of building the world we dream about. And it is beautiful to dream, to cast a vision, to stretch our minds into the future, and imagine what may be if we were to build a new way of being, not someday, but beginning here again today, beginning again every day that we have breath, taking courage with these hands and hearts to make the dream of a more equitable world, to journey together, to be transformed, even as we transform. Becoming explorers and learners in this world around us, humbled by what we do not yet know, fulfilling the promise of healing a fragmented world laboring not just in hope, but also in love. In this spirit, we commit. In this spirit, we gather. In this spirit, we pray. Amen. Now, our offering, which this morning, again, will go for the works and ministries, I would say, of the Native American Rights Fund, will be both given and gratefully received. Or maybe we want to wait to take the offering until it's proper time.
Amidst the chaos of the world in recent years, it has been difficult for me to feel grateful. I have a roof over my head, a reliable vehicle, a good relationship with a man I care deeply for. And though I recently lost my job, I still benefit from a social safety net. I am arguably doing better than I ever have by most measures. Inside me, though, I feel a rage and a sadness. Two emotions strapped together, pulling away and jolting towards each other. The world seems to mirror the feelings inside me, making it difficult to notice the good things. As fall gives way to winter, though it is harder to tell the difference between those things here in San Francisco than it was back home in Minnesota, humans seem to be called to reflect on gratitude. Amidst a world that is, at times, literally on fire, I struggle to do this. There are small healings happening, though. In my own life, I have found them in unexpected places. Growing up gay in a Midwestern farm country, I knew that I was different. I planned to move to a big city to make a go of things as an entertainer. And while there were things about the small town that left me deeply wounded, there are things I remember fondly. The wide open spaces that let my imagination run free. The trees along the Mississippi River turning their leaves from greens to blaze oranges, warm yellows, and vibrant reds. The friends I would sneak out into the woods to party with. I even liked the country music soundtrack that so often accompanied the gravel roads I grew up on. As I write this, I was listening to a Spotify playlist of LGBTQ plus country musicians I created called Cowboy Make Me a Gay. And I feel a small wound inside me healing, knowing I was not alone after all, that there were other kids like me out there, and now they are singing openly about their lives in a genre where, honestly, I never expected it to happen. I have been stitching together my youth with where I am now more and more as the years go by. For instance, when I was a kid, I would watch wrestling cheering as the macho man Randy Savage entered the ring in his spectacular regalia, being all, ooh, brother. Today, as an adult, I frequently work as a pro wrestling commentator. Uh, my first in-person gig outside the Bay Area after the lockdown in 2020 happened as the world began to open a bit more in 2021 in Las Vegas, Nevada, which was a drastic change of pace. <laughs> Uh, and it was at an all-LGBTQ plus pro-wrestling show. This healed something inside me as well, proving that in an athletic spectacle that praised being a macho man, albeit one with a lot of sequins, <laughs> there was a place for people like me. These spaces exist because we make them, because people put in the work to stitch together the world that they want. The poet Andrea Gibson writes in their poem, Yellowbird. Picasso said he'd paint with his own wet tongue on the dusty floor of a jail cell if he had to. We have to create. It is the only thing louder than destruction. It is the only chance the bars are gonna break. Our hands full of color reaching towards the sky, a brushstroke in the dark. It is not too late. That starry night is not yet dry. So today, that is what I am grateful for. The music, the athletic spectacle, the poems, 
the people doing the slow work of creating a world we can all live in. Thank you. And now our offering will be both given and gratefully received. If you need a reminder, it is going to the Native American Rights Fund. Please donate graciously. It's an amazing cause. There are details in your order of service. Thank you. We're doubling down on poetry today, just so you guys can prepare yourself. Uh, this is a poem called Sonata for Voice and Silence by Mark Bellatini. Clogged airports and freeways and long lines, the season's first snow flurries. Grocery stores throngs, beet greens slapping over the edge of a stuffed cart. Lists and more lists, phone calls and phone chag, tag, 
extra chairs up from the basement, tearing open the packages containing guest-at-your-table boxes down at the church, worries about Aunt Ophelia and how she'll behave this year, fretting about what to say to Cousin Jerry about his obnoxious jokes, bittersweet memories of Grandma sitting at the table, her eyes staring into your soul. It must be Thanksgiving time. But not yet. Not yet. First, this time. This time right now. Silent time. No lines, no shoving, no jokes, no phone calls, no planning. Just silence. Silence that was there before the earth was made round. Silence that will be there past every ending. Silence that dwells in the heart of an apple like the seeds do. Silence that draws out our surfeit. Silence that is our surest communion with the distant fluttering of the stars. Silence.
My dad, who is here, sitting behind Helen today, is an actor, now retired. As an actor, Pop would do voiceovers, modeling, stage work, a bit of soap operas, other film work, and the occasional striking oil of working actors, a national commercial. So throughout my childhood, teen, adult years, all of our family and friends would periodically see my dad's face regularly on TV. And when that happened, whatever tagline there was at the heart of the commercial would come back to haunt all of us. <laughs> so at one point, when I was in high school, I think it was, it was this one. The commercial begins with a woman, a mother, on screen who's seen doing all of these caring, small things for her family. She's putting ties in her daughter's ponytails, and she's picking up the boy, her son, we assume, from school, on time. And finally, one day, she brings home white cloud toilet paper. Do you remember this one, anybody? And the jingle, the tagline was, little things mean a lot. Which meant that for years, when someone would do something small and get thanked for it in our household, you could take bets on whether someone else would feel moved to sing, little things mean a lot. And they do. The truth is, anything we appreciate that we are grateful for that prompts the feeling of gratitude means a lot. 
Gratitude is this powerful emotion that sages and psalms of praise and all the wisdom traditions have called us to, often and especially around our relationship to God, but more generally also. Gratitude with the gorgeous humility and reciprocity that it calls out of us. But gratitude, besides doing all of this miraculous reordering of the soul, also has all kinds of other effects on us. Brene Brown, in her book, Atlas of the Heart, has this to say about gratitude. There is overwhelming evidence that gratitude is good for us physically, emotionally, and mentally. There is research that shows that gratitude is correlated with better sleep, increased creativity, decreased entitlement, decreased hostility and aggression, increased decision-making skills, decreased blood pressure, and the list goes on. Robert Emmons, a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, is a kind of expert on gratitude. He notes how apparently most positive emotions, pleasure, delight, wear off pretty quickly for us. But how gratitude seems to work differently. It seems to result in us getting more joy out of life overall. It changes our perspective and our relationship to everything. Instead of adapting to goodness, Emmons writes, with gratitude, we celebrate goodness wherever we find it. Which made me think about a vacation that we took as a family years ago. It was at a time before the cameras on our phones got so good that we actually, most of us, except for Galen maybe, left our other cameras behind. And our daughter at the time was old enough that she asked for and got a digital camera, small digital camera for Christmas, and she brought it on the vacation that we took that winter. So the year before when she was, I'm guessing, maybe about 10 or 9, Lila had begun to get grumpy on family vacations and bored with them. It was as if little on those, that vacation the year before, I remember, rated as interesting or worthy of her energy or attention, more so than ever before. And that was a drag for her, clearly, but also for us. But this next vacation, the one where she had this camera, she was suddenly alive to everything she encountered. Everything seemed like it was something possibly worthy to be framed and captured. At least she scanned the world now with this particular new perspective. Now, rather than bored, she was looking around as if she's waiting to be surprised by something gorgeous or remarkable wherever we went, or even just bleak, stark things so that she could capture their bleak starkness to share with us. And mind you, the quality of our family trips had not changed. Our vacation was not any better or more extraordinary that year. 
It was her perception that had tilted. Looking for the remarkable, you might say, as is so often the case, she found it everywhere. Which is how gratitude works. It reminds me of the love poem by Roy Croft that actually we did at Marty, said at Marty and Linda's wedding. Where are you, Marty and Linda? There you go, in the back. Where Croft writes, I love you, as part of the poem, I love you for putting your hand into my heaped up heart and passing over all of the foolish, weak things that you can't help dimly seeing there and for drawing out into the light all the beautiful belongings that no one else had looked quite far enough to find. Gratitude is like love in that poem. It is this perspective that looks past the things that are hard and disappoint us, finding instead all that's worth drawing out into the light. It's the lens that we choose to see the world through that doesn't change the world, but changes everything about our relationship to it and in so doing, changes us. Which is to observe that gratitude starts to look in this description and understanding of how it works less like a feeling than I think many of us thought and more, more essentially like a doing. Like the small child putting the camera to her eye like the way we walk through the world. It's cultivating the lover's eye perspective, which frankly, like any lover, can sometimes get dulled to the extraordinariness of what is in front of them every day and needs to be reawakened to it. And so gratitude is one of those things like Paul Tillich's description of grace that changes nothing but changes everything. Gratitude, for instance, doesn't take away life's disappointments or the lack of certainty we have about life or the heartbreak we might be carrying. In fact, Professor Emmons has on his website the results of a study. He writes, a daily gratitude intervention, self-guided exercises with young adults, resulted in higher reported levels of the positive states of alertness, enthusiasm, determination, attentiveness, and energy compared to a focus on hassles or downward social comparison, parens, ways in which participants thought they were better than others, Yet here is the kicker in the last sentence of his summary. There was no difference in levels of unpleasant emotions reported in the groups. Meaning all the participants felt the same hard, unpleasant, sad, fill-in-the-blank negative emotions 
but a gratitude intervention, as he calls it, somehow added something to the mix that made the participants rise above all the hard stuff to places of greater enthusiasm and attentiveness and all the other things he mentions. And it's worth saying, too, that gratitude won't make the inequities or the structural evils in our lives or in the world go away. But there are those who are working for social justice in our world, like um, Adrienne Marie Brown, among others, who increasingly speak about the gospel of cultivating things like joy and gratitude in our lives as vital to keeping us in this work of transforming the inequities and the wrongs. That for the long haul, emotions like righteous anger or sheer white-knuckled determination will not sustain us in this work, in this life, and its most important work. And so cultivating gratitude is about, yes, self-care and self-cultivation and self-love for all the reasons and in all the ways that Brene Brown and others point to, health, longevity, better sleep. And it's probably also how we will fuel ourselves for the hard, long-term work of loving the world and changing it. So I suppose we all have to decide, each of us, which reality we want to have claim our days and what we're willing to do or give up to determine one course over the other. I don't think that we're talking here about adopting some toxic positivity. And we aren't talking about a kind of fake it till you make it game of pretend, because some of us do a lot of that, too much of it already. We're talking about a lasting practice, an intervention, to use the professor's word. Something we take on if we don't already, and I know many of you do, we take on like brushing our teeth or bathing. We make a habit of it because it's so easy to erode the perspective it gives us in the regular wear and tear of life of the kind that Dave talked about. Gratitude, like sleep, works better when we make it a regular part of our days. But how to lay the habit down? As you all know, there are journals and ready-made jars that you can write or put your acknowledgments of gratitude in, and there are rituals of prayer and praise like the Onondaga, Onondaga prayer of thanksgiving that I read about actually this week too, that, that, that um, the community opens with every day, that actually schools open with, that are on um, sovereign lands will open with. Instead of the Pledge of Allegiance, they'll open with the prayer, many of them. So there are these rituals that are present and possible. 
And one way to begin is just to start naming things. And the ones that often come to mind are the big ones like health and loved ones. But if I can say so, I feel like sometimes if we just stay at that level, it can get rote way too soon and lose its power to change us. So I would encourage all of us, if we don't already, to cultivate a practice where we look for the small things. And the more obscure, the better. To make a game of it every day. I asked Wonder Dave to look for the things that he is disproportionately grateful for, given their relative size and importance in the world. And look what gorgeousness he came up with. Look where country music and pro wrestling took his heart. Where does the invitation take yours? So be with me for a moment, and I encourage you, if you haven't already had some pop quickly into your head, think about maybe what you are disproportionately grateful for, given its size and importance or unimportance in the universe. Maybe something a little silly that you love a lot. I'll get you started. I'll tell you a couple of mine. I'm really grateful that someone created a coffee pot that you can program the night before so that your past self can give your future self a hot cup of coffee right in the morning when you wake up. Like, that is brilliant. And here's another that I am disproportionately wildly in love with. I love those street cleaning machines. I love it that they come down and they scrape and wash all of the gunk out of the street and the whole world looks new once a week. It's like we get a fresh start. I'm literally going to try and find out where those guys leave from every week and bring them cookies because I'm so in love with them all. What about you? I'll take five because I know there are some people who think we've been asking for lots of participation. I would say my dog Kiki's um, uh, the way that she st snuggles up with me in, in the evening and uh, keeps me warm. Yeah. Cuddling. The flowers that people have in their front yards that I get to enjoy on my walks. Yes. The beauty of deep sea larvae. Oh, I mean, we don't like winners and losers, but that might be a winner today, deep sea larvae. The scratches on our truck door I get into on the passenger side. I know it's my side of the door, the truck. All right. The three or four of them. I love it that you can give thanks for the scratches on your car door. All right, we've got one more. Come on. Oh, Anne, you're making me work for it. 
I am very grateful for Chewy.com. <laughs> they always answer the telephone, and if you have to, and they, they ship things very fast, and they're reasonable, and then if you get something that you can't use, you can donate it. <laughs> Lovely. For virtual private secretaries. Thank you all. I hope we get a commission on this for truly.com. Trudy, what? Oh, chewy.com. I was going to go look up this website you were mentioning. Okay. Chewy.com. Okay. For larva, for scratches on the door, car doors, for dogs and cuddles in general. What am I missing? And flowers all those cultivated, curated, tiny little gorgeous gardens in San Francisco. For bacitracin that nips lots of things in the bud, for silence that dwells in the heart of an apple like the seeds do, as Mark Bellatini wrote, for dancing however your body can and is willing to, especially in the kitchen, especially unplanned, for that plant in my garage, and my former neighbors Justin and Jasmine are here, and they know the one I'm talking about, that pushed up through the concrete and insisted on staying there during COVID, and all that it reminds us of, those plants that insist on pushing through concrete. For all the companions on this grand experiment called life, as Alicia Ford wrote, and not just the easy ones. And yes, what the heck, for white clouds of all kinds, and a jingle that reminds us that little things mean a lot. So bless us all in the act of looking far enough to find everything worth bringing out into the light, learning again and again to see the world with a lover's eye, for the heart of thanksgiving that takes root in us, and how all this appreciation changes us by the mystery of the universe's strange and beautiful workings, how it changes us and how all of this makes us all a little better equipped to ease the tide of human suffering wherever we go. For all this and more, we give thanks. Amen. In the spirit of the Sunday, let's sing hymn number 16, the Shaker hymn, Tis a Gift to be Simple, in your gray hymnal. We'll, we'll sing it twice through.
gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free, tis a gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained to to remain standing, put down your hymnals, reach out your arms, or if you happen to know the person next to you, you're welcome to take hold of their hand. And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
tenderness, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your generosity, the love and the honesty that you gave me. Thank you.